As Jesus approached Jerusalem, he was hailed as a conquering king. This Sunday of the Passion of Our Savior, or Palm Sunday, we will join our voices with Christians worldwide in celebrating the coming of our Savior and King before we focus our hearts and minds on the Passion of Our Savior, reflect on what Christ's Passions means to us, and how it transforms us. If you wish to join in the liturgy, download the service book in the link in the description. Are you longing for love and acceptance? We are All Souls Universalist Church, a network of home-based worshiping communities proclaiming Jesus' gospel of universal love and reconciliation for all souls. You are a beloved child of God. No matter who you are, what you look like, who you love, what you believe, where you are from, or how you identify or express yourself. Join us as we journey together following the light of Christ. Feel free to follow along using the service book that can be downloaded at the link in the description. Living God, as the sun rises to greet the morning, May our hearts rise to greet one another and join our voices in our common praise and worship to you, that in unity and love, we may be faithful witnesses of your love and compassion to the whole world. In Jesus' name, amen. Your sovereign comes to you without display, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of our God, the ruler of all creation. Be present, O Christ, in this place, that we may behold your splendor as you sit on the throne of heaven, that by the light of your countenance we may behold these mysteries and be transformed by them in faith. In your holy name we pray. Amen. As they approached Jerusalem, entering Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent off two disciples with the instructions, Go into the village straight ahead of you, and immediately you will find a tethered donkey with her colt standing beside her. Untie them and lead them back to me. If anyone questions you, say, the rabbi needs them. Then they will let them go at once. This came about to fulfill what was said through the prophet, Tell the daughter of Zion, your sovereign comes to you without display, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So the disciples went off and did what Jesus had ordered. They brought the donkey and her colt, and after they laid their cloaks on the animals, Jesus mounted and rode toward the city. Great crowds of people spread their cloaks on the road, while some began to cut branches from the trees and lay them along the path. The crowds, those who went in front of Jesus and those who followed, were all shouting, Hosanna to the heir of the house of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Most High. Hosanna 
the highest. As Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred to its depths, demanding, Who is this? And the crowd kept answering, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Our God be with you. Our God bless you. Let us give thanks to Almighty God. We offer God our thanks and praise. It is good and right to praise you, Almighty God, for the depth of your love that is revealed to us in the liberation you offer us through your only begotten Jesus Christ, our Savior. On this day, he entered the holy city of Jerusalem in triumph and was proclaimed as the ruler over all rulers by those who spread their garments and palm branches along his way. Let these branches be symbols of his victory and grant that we who bear them in his name may ever hail him as our ruler and savior and follow him in the way that leads to everlasting life who lives and reigns in glory with you and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to all people on earth. <clears throat> Blessed is the one who comes in the name of our God. Hosanna in the highest. Let us go forth in peace in the name of Christ. Amen. I thank you, Yahweh, for your goodness. Your love is everlasting. Let Israel say it. Your love is everlasting. Open the gates of justice for me. Let me come in and thank you, Yahweh. This is the gate of Yahweh, and only the upright can enter. Thank you for hearing me, for saving me. It was the stone which the builders rejected that became the cornerstone. This is Yahweh's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is the day Yahweh has made. Let us celebrate with joy. Please, Yahweh, please save us. Please, Yahweh, give us prosperity now. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of Yahweh. We bless you from Yahweh's temple. Yahweh is God, and God has enlightened us. Join the festal procession. With palm fronds in hand, go up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I thank you. You are my God, and I exalt you. Thank you for hearing me, for saving me. Thank you, Yahweh, for your goodness. Your love is everlasting. Let us pray. <clears throat> Almighty God, your only begotten revealed your love for us and his obedience to the work you sent him to accomplish, even though it meant his cruel and unjust death. May we, in acceptance of his love for us and inspired by his sacrifice for our liberation, bow in humble adoration before your throne and submit ourselves wholly to you, so that in our worship and obedience we may be crucified with Christ, becoming one with you as you and Christ are one. In his name we pray. Amen. Today's psalm is Psalm 31, 9 through 16, which we shall read by alternating whole verse. Now take pity on me, Yahweh, for I am in trouble again. 
I cried so much that I'm exhausted. Not only my eyes, but my mind and body as well. My life is consumed by sorrow. My years are worn out with my sighs. My strength fails me because of my despair. My bones are getting weaker. Because of all my oppressors, I am held in utter contempt. Even by my neighbors, my friends are afraid of me and people who see me on the street hurry past me. I am forgotten, as good as dead in their hearts, like something that has outlived its usefulness. I hear their endless slanders and threats from every quarter as they conspire against me, plotting to take my life. But I put my trust in you, Yahweh. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Save me from the hands of my enemies and persecutors. Smile on your faithful one. Save me in your love. Glory to God, creator, only begotten and Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A lesson from the book of Isaiah. Exalted Yahweh has given me a skilled and well-trained tongue so that I can sustain the weary with a timely word. Yahweh awakens me morning after morning, wakens my ear to listen like a student. Exalted Yahweh opened my ears and I have obeyed. I did not turn away. I offered my back to those beating me, offered my cheeks to those who, who, who would humiliate me. I did not hide my face from insults or spitting, because exalted Yahweh helps me, insults cannot wound me, for I have set my face like flint, because I know I will not be put to shame. My vindicator is at my side, who would dare accuse me? Let us confront each other. Who are my adversaries? Let them accuse me. It is exalted Yahweh who helps me. Who will judge me guilty? Here ends the lesson. In response, we'll say Psalm 121 together. Before we say it, I, I just want to say a few words about Psalm 121. It's part of what's called the Psalms of Ascent. And the Psalms of Ascent are a set of Psalms that the, the Israelites would say as they walk towards Jerusalem. As Jews would approach Jerusalem to observe the Passover, they would say these Psalms. It was part of their tradition. And I can't help but think that Jesus, as he approached Jerusalem riding on a donkey, would have, in his heart at least, have thought of these words that he would have said hundreds of times, well, maybe not hundreds of times, but many times as he traveled into Jerusalem for the Passover. So in that, that spirit, let's say the first Psalm of Ascent, Psalm 121, together. I lift my eyes to the mountains. From where will my help come? My help comes from Yahweh who made heaven and earth. Yahweh won't let our footsteps slip. Our guardian never sleeps. The guardian of Israel will never slumber, never sleep. Yahweh is our guardian. Yahweh is our shade. With God by our side, the sun cannot overpower us by day, nor the moon at night. 
Yahweh guards us from harm, guards our lives. Yahweh guards our leaving and our coming back now and forever. Glory to God, creator, only begotten and Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. The Passion of Our Savior Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. One of the twelve, the one named Judas Iscariot, went off to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand Jesus over to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver. Thirty. And from that moment, he looked for an opportunity to betray Jesus. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came up to Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare the Passover for you? Jesus told them to go to a certain person in the city and say, The teacher says, My appointed time draws near. I am to celebrate the Passover in your house. The disciples did as Jesus ordered and prepared the Passover supper. When it grew dark, he reclined at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, The truth is, one of you is about to betray me. They were greatly distressed and started asking him in turn, Surely it is not I, teacher. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the dish with me is the one who will hand me over. The chosen one will go as the scriptures foretold. But woe to the one by whom the chosen one is betrayed. It would be better for that one never to have been born at all. Then Judas, who was betraying Jesus, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi? Jesus answered, You have said it yourself. During the meal, Jesus took bread blessed it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples. Take this and eat it, Jesus said. This is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them. Drink from it, all of you, he said. This is my blood, the blood of the covenant, which will be poured out on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. The truth is, I will not drink this fruit of the vine again until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Abba's house. Then, after singing the halal, hopefully I said that correctly, please forgive me if I didn't, they walked out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus said to them, tonight you will fall away because of me, for scripture says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go to Galilee ahead of you. Peter responded, Though all may fall away because of you, I never will. Jesus replied, The truth is, before the cock crows tonight, you will deny me three times. Peter said, Even if I must die with you, I will never disown you. 
And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, stay here while I go over there and pray. Jesus took along, Jesus took along Peter, James, and John and started to feel grief and anguish. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Please stay here and stay awake with me. Jesus went on a little further and fell prostrate in prayer. Abba, if it is possible, let this cup pass by me, but not what I want, what you want. When Jesus returned to the disciples, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you stay awake with me for even an hour? Be on guard and pray that you may not undergo trial. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Withdrawing a second time, Jesus prayed, Abba, if this cup cannot pass me by without my drinking it, your will be done. Once more, Jesus returned and fell and found the disciples asleep. They could not keep their eyes open. Jesus left them again, withdrew somewhat and prayed for a third time, saying the same words as before. Finally, Jesus returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping, still taking your rest? The hour is upon us. The chosen one is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be on our way. Look, my betrayer is here. While Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, accompanied by a great crowd with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the chief priests and elders of the people. Judas had arranged to give them a signal. Whomever I embrace is the one, he had said. Take hold of him. He immediately went over to Jesus and said, Shalom, Rabbi, and embraced him. Jesus said to Judas, friend, just do what you're here to do. At that moment, the crowd surrounded them, laid hands on Jesus, and arrested him. Suddenly, one of those who accompanied Jesus drew a sword and slashed at the high priest's attendant, cutting off an ear. Jesus said, put, put your sword back where it belongs. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. Don't you, don't you think I can call on my Abba to provide over 12 legions of angels at a moment's notice? But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say it must happen this way? Then Jesus said to the crowd, I am a robber. No, excuse me. Am I a robber that you have come armed with swords and clubs to arrest me? Every day I sat teaching in the temple precincts, yet you never arrested me. All this happened in fulfillment of the writings of the prophets. Then all the disciples deserted Jesus and fled. Those who had seized Jesus led him off to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the religious scholars and elders had convened. 
Peter followed at a distance as a as far as the high priest's residence. Going inside, Peter sat down with the guards to await the outcome. The chief priests with the whole Sanhedrin were busy trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. They discovered none, despite the many false witnesses who took the stand. Finally, two came forward who stated, This man has declared, I can destroy God's sanctuary and rebuild it in three days. The high priest rose and addressed Jesus, Have you no answer? What about this testimony leveled against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest then said to him, I order you to tell us under oath before the living God whether or not you are the Messiah, the firstborn of God. You have said it yourself, Jesus replied. But I tell you, soon you will see the chosen one seated seated at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. At this, the high priest tore his robes and said, Blasphemy! What further need do we have of witnesses? You yourselves have heard this blasphemy. What is your verdict? They responded, He deserves death. Then they spat at his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped Jesus, saying, Play the prophet for us, Messiah, who struck you? While this was happening, Peter was sitting in the courtyard. One of the attendants came over and said, You were with Jesus the Galilean too, weren't you? But Peter denied it in front of everyone. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. When Peter went out to the gate, another attendant saw him and said to those nearby, This one was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he cursed and denied it. I don't know him. A little while later, some bystanders came over to Peter and said, You certainly are one of them. Even your accent gives you away. At that, Peter began cursing and swore, I don't know the man. Just then, a rooster began to crow. And and Peter remembered the prediction Jesus had made. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter went out and cried bitterly. At daybreak, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took formal action against Jesus to put him to death. They bound him and led him away to be handed over to Pilate, the governor. When he saw that Jesus had been condemned, Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, felt remorse. He took the 30 pieces of silver back to the chief priests and elders and said, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. What's that to us? They answered. That's your affair. So Judas flung the money into the sanctuary and left. Then he went off and hanged himself. The chief priests picked up the silver, observing, It's against the law to deposit this in the temple treasury, since it is blood money. After some discussion, They used the money to buy Potter's Field as a cemetery for foreigners. That's why that field, even today, is called Blood Field. On that occasion, what was said through Jeremiah the the prophet was fulfilled. They took 30 pieces of silver, 
the price for the one whose price was set by the children of Israel. And they paid it out for potter's field, just as the Most High commanded me. Then Jesus was arraigned before Pontius Pilate, the governor, who questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, You say that I am. Yet, when Jesus was accused by the chief priests and elders, he made no reply. Pilate said to Jesus, Surely you hear how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus did not answer Pilate on a single count, much to the governor's surprise. Now, on the occasion of a festival, the governor was accustomed to release one prisoner, whomever the crowd would designate. At the time, they were holding a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. So when the crowd gathered, Pilate asked, which one do you wish for me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, the so-called Messiah? Pilate knew, of course, that it was out of jealousy that they had handed Jesus over. While Pilate was still presiding on the bench, his wife sent him a message. Have nothing to do with that innocent man. I had a dream about him last night, which, was, which has been troubling me all day long. But the chief priests and elders convinced the crowds that they should ask for Babarus and have Jesus put to death. So when the governor asked them, which one do you wish for me to release for you? They all cried, Babarus. Pilate said to them, then what am I to do with Jesus, the so-called Messiah? Crucify him, they said. Why? What crime has he committed? Pilate asked. But they only shouted louder, crucify him. Pilate finally realized that he was getting nowhere with this. In fact, a riot was breaking out. Pilate called for water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, declaring as he did so, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. The whole crowd said in reply, let his blood be on us and on our children. At that, Pilate released Babarus. Barabbas, forgive me, to them. But he had Jesus whipped with a cat of nine tails, then handed him over to be crucified. The governor's soldiers took Jesus inside the praetorium and assembled the whole cohort around him. They stripped off his clothes and wrapped him in a scarlet military cloak, weaving a crown out of thorns. They pressed it onto his head and struck a reed in his right hand and stuck a reed in his right hand. Then they began to mock Jesus by dropping to their knees, saying, All hail, King of the Jews. They also spat at him. Afterward, they took hold of the, of the reed and struck Jesus on the head. Finally, when they had finished mocking him, they stripped him of the cloak dressed him in his own clothes, and led him off to the crucifixion. On their way out, they met a Cyrenian named Simon, whom they pressed into service to carry the cross. 
please stand. Upon arriving at a site called Golgotha, which means skull place, they gave Jesus a drink of wine mixed with a narcotic herb, which Jesus tasted but refused to drink. Once they had nailed Jesus to the cross, they divided his clothes among them by rolling dice. Then they sat down and kept watch over him. Above his head, they put the charge against him in writing, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified along with Jesus, one at his right and one at his left. People going by insulted Jesus, shaking their heads and saying, So you are the one who, is go who was going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. Why don't you? Come down off that cross if you are God's own. The chief priests, the religious scholars, and the elders also joined in the jeering. He saved others, but he cannot save himself. So he's the king of Israel. Let's see him come down from that cross. And then we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If God is happy with him. After all, he claimed to be God's own. The robbers who had been crucified with Jesus jeered at him in the same way. At noon, a darkness fell over the whole land until about three in the afternoon. At that hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sakbathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This made some of the bystanders who heard it remark, he is calling for Elijah. One of them hurried off and got a sponge. He soaked the sponge in cheap the sponge in cheap wine and sticking it on a reed, tried to make Jesus drink. The other said, Leave him alone. Let's see whether Elijah comes to his rescue rescue. Once again, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, then he gave up his spirit. Suddenly the curtain in front of the Holy of Holies was ripped in half from top to bottom. The earthquake, the earth quaked. Boulders were split and tombs were opened. Many bodies of holy ones who had fallen asleep were raised. After Jesus' resurrection, they came out of their tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. The centurion and his cohort who were standing guard over Jesus' body, were terror-stricken at seeing the quake and all that was happening, and said, Clearly, this was God's own. A group of women were present, looking on from a distance. These were the same women who had followed Jesus from Galilee as ministers to him. Among them were Mary of Magdala, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. When evening fell, a wealthy man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had become a disciple of Jesus, came to the request came to request the body of Jesus. Pilate issued an order for its release. 
Taking the body, Joseph wrapped it in fresh linen and laid it in his own tomb, which had been hewn out of rock. Then Joseph rolled a huge stone across the entrance of the tomb and went away. But Mary of Magdala and the, and the other Mary remained sitting there, facing the tomb. The next day, one of the, one of the following Excuse me. The next day, the one following the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees called at Pilate's residence and said, We recall that while he was still alive, the imposter made the claim, After three days, I will rise again. Therefore, please issue an order to keep the tomb under surveillance until the third day. Otherwise, Jesus' disciples might go and steal his body and tell the people, Jesus has been raised from the dead. This final deception would be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go and secure the tomb as best as you can. So they went to the seal. So they went to seal the tomb and post a guard. Our God be with you. Our God bless you. Let us pray. God in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your reign come. Give us today tomorrow's bread. Forgive us our sins, for we too forgive everyone who sins against us. And don't let us be subjected to the test. Please be seated for the prayers. Almighty God, we pray for our family throughout the world that you will bind us together by your Holy Spirit so that we may live in unity and love so that those who do not yet believe may know that we are your disciples. God, hear our prayer. Be with this congregation that we may be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ love and serve our community, and faithfully proclaim the gospel by loving and accepting all of your children. God, hear our prayer. Be with those who hold civil authority on the earth, that they may do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before you, so that the people of all nations may dwell in safety, and that the peace which only you can give may reign throughout the earth. God, Hear our prayer. Be with your creation, O God, that we may be faithful stewards of this planet, taking good care of all that you have entrusted to us, so that we may glorify you in the plants and animals and heights and depths that you have made. God, hear our prayer. Remember, compassionate God, those who cry out to you. Heal those who are sick. Comfort those who mourn. Dwell with those who are alone. And welcome those who have died so that all may be assured of your ever-present love and compassion for all of your children. God, hear our prayer. At this time, I would like to invite the members of this congregation to voice their own concerns, either silently or aloud. God, I pray for the victims of COVID-19. I pray for those who are separated from their loved ones for those who are afraid, for those who are stressed out. I pray for those who are having trouble obeying 
the civil authorities' instructions to socially isolate. And God, I pray that you will heal us and save us. And dear God, I pray for uh, women right now who are going through pregnancy that they do remain safe and give them peace during this hard time. I know many of them had hopes and dreams of celebration and now they have to be socially isolated but uh, dear, dear God I know that they are strong you have created created them that way in your name I pray God of compassion hear, hear our prayer God of grace, who has given us this new day, give us strength throughout our busy day so that we may resist the powers of darkness and sincerely proclaim your love through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Gracious God, we thank you for all that you've done for us and for all that you are going to do for us. We thank you for our salvation in Jesus Christ and for your daily presence in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Reveal your love and faithfulness to us this day so that we may reflect your light to the world in faithful witness of your love and acceptance of your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning... We're going to do something slightly different instead of having a formal sermon or homily because, one, the service is already really long because we had this really long two chapters worth of gospel lesson on top of already having a gospel lesson <laughs> at the beginning. And I thought it would be really, really cool because this is the first time that, that Deacon Joseph and I are doing the service together live. We're not in the same place. We're using... Um, the power of the internet to be able to do the service together and so i thought it'd be really cool if we both had a little bit of time to talk very briefly about our feelings about what we've read today and i invite you wherever you are if you're if you're listening to this by yourself to maybe pause the podcast after we're done talking and think about what this gospel lesson means to you and how it changes you going forward after having heard it and if you're with other people, pause it and talk about it together. I mean, the whole point of the whole point of church and the whole point of of our time together each week is for us to to learn and grow together. And so I encourage you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, to just take a pause and really reflect on what this means to you. And so I'm gonna start and just kind of talk a little bit about what the passion gospel means to me. And then um, I'll let Deacon Joseph um, say his piece and then he will close us out with the prayer of St. John Chrysostom. But um, so I really look forward to this service um, every year. I love Holy Week, uh, which is the week leading up to Easter. I love the Easter Tritium, which is Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and the Easter Vigil. Um, they're really, really great, really, really great services that are designed intentionally to recreate the last moments of Jesus's life with his disciples. Um, and we, we, we do that not because we only can do that 
and we only should do that once a year. We should obviously do that every Sunday when we take communion together, but we do it specifically as an immersive experience so that we can actually relive in, in a very small spiritual way what the 12 disciples and the other followers of Jesus went through. Um, which is why I find it very irritating when there are a lot of churches that have their Easter services on Good Friday. They're like, oh, let's have an Easter service. It's like, no, Easter is on Sunday because this is important. Exactly. The passion is important. Understanding, understanding all of this and really taking time to think about it and to be sad and to be mournful is important. Um, and every year when I read the Passion Gospel, I cry. And I cry at different times. And I kind of set myself up to fail this year because we did Psalm 121. And that just, I started crying when I started leading that. It's like, because I'd never thought about that before. As Jesus is walking into Jerusalem knowing he's going to die, maybe thinking these words of, of that psalm, I lift my eyes to the hills from where comes my help. My help comes from God. Um, but I also cried this year when and this is the first for me because normally i cry when jesus is beaten i didn't have any tears i had already cried all the tears that i had to cry when we got to that point but i start crying again when we got to simon peter's betrayal and that's hard and you can't see you can't see um our recording so we're using the anchor app to record and each person sets their own username well mine is a latter day peter because when we read that, I realized that betrayal is something that we do all the time. You know, every time we fail mm -hmm. to live out the life we've, we've promised, we've made a, a vow to live. Every time we fail to love our neighbor, every time we fail to love ourselves. Because the, the commandment to love God is really a commandment to love ourselves as God loves us. Every time we fail to do that, we are saying in a way, I don't really believe in what Jesus, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't know this person. I don't believe what he taught. And so the passion gospel for me this year is a reminder of, of, of three things. One, it's a reminder that as followers of Jesus, as his disciples, we're called to do what he did. Not necessarily to die on a cross, like an actual literal cross, but we're called to sacrifice ourselves for other people. And that means going willingly into what we know is going to be our death. And it means, it means looking at injustice and being faced with injustice and accepting it. And that's hard for me because I, before I started um, active vocational ministry, I was an activist. Facing injustice and standing up against it is something that I used to do for a living. And now I still, I mean, I still make no peace with oppression. But I also have to be prepared to accept injustice when it comes to me if that's what God has called me to do. And so reading this gospel is a reminder that when we decide to, when we decide that we're no longer going to live for ourselves, we're going to live and walk the way Christ lived and walked. We have to be prepared for whatever comes. The second thing is that 
you can't look to those around you for the mark of how to live. What really got me and what I'm going to preach on at the 11 o'clock service this morning is how the religious leaders not only rejected God in the flesh, but they actively and knowingly broke the law. They, they were looking for false witnesses. And the Ten Commandments say, you shall not bear, fall with, bear false witness against your neighbor, yet they actively did it. They actively went against the rules about convicting people. You have to have three people who can bear a witness against you. They only had two witnesses. And yet they got rid of this person. They killed this person. And then not only that, but they incited the crowd to kill this person. They actively went against what they were supposed to do. And so you can't look to other people. The last thing it taught me is that even in the midst of tragedy, there is hope. The last last recorded words of Jesus are heartbreaking. Um, he, you know, he's dying and he looks up and says, looks up to heaven, we imagine, looks up to heaven and says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And earlier, Jesus has said, has called God his, his um, Abba, his father. And he's, what he's saying is, why? he's yeah. basically saying like a child looking up to their parents saying, why, why are you allowing this bad thing to happen? And you read that and you think, God, there's no hope anymore. I mean, he's sitting here, he's dying, he's been beaten. It's completely unfair. It's completely unjust. There's no way, and there's no way that this was a, like a, a righteous act. All these people are mocking him. He literally could have like proven them wrong and didn't. Like, how is there? And it's completely dark. It's noon, and there's darkness over the whole over the whole land until for for three hours. And it's like, how is there any hope? Like, y'all are probably sitting here thinking, Darcy, how can you get hope out of any of this? This is all depressing. This is where I get the hope. Um, Jesus is dead. There's a big earthquake. The temple curtain has been ripped in two. And at a distance, there are three people. Mary, Mary, and the mother of James and Joseph. Or Mary, Mary, and the mother of uh, Zebedee's children. And there's Joseph of Arimathea. And the hope is that even in this horrible time, this scary time, this injustice, there, those that love Jesus the most are there. They don't forsake him. Mm-hmm. And we know that God didn't either. And so in the midst yeah. of this, of this heartbreaking experience, there's still, there's still genuine love. And so there's hope. And that hope is found in those who truly love and support you. And so if I were to say that the, the summary sentence of this passion gospel is, you have to be prepared 
to do the work that you've been called to do. Not, not listening to the voices of dissent that are telling you not to do it. Don't start this church. Don't move across the country. Don't, don't make huge sacrifices for your family. Don't listen to them. Focus only on what the work that God has given you to do. And those who truly love you will still be there supporting you. So that's, that's what I learned. So take it away, Joseph. <laughs> Tough act to follow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First, I would like to commend you for saying that uh, Hebraic passage correctly. I, I know I completely <laughs> failed at saying that. Um, you know, for me, reading this passage, the one thing that I gathered from it mainly, you know, every uh, homily I deliver, it talks about, uh, you know, faith in action and um, living peacefully. Um, when they actually, when Jesus was being tried I, and they chose to release Barbarus, well, Barbarus was actually, you know, we were taught growing up that Barbarus was just a criminal. You know, they never really went into depth, but he was actually a political warrior. He was a rebel. He was someone who would take the sword to get done what was needed done. And for them to choose, you know, him over Jesus, um, it's, a, it's, it's heartbreaking because Jesus is the, is God's love right there in front of them to live peacefully, to um, love your neighbors as you love yourselves. Uh, it's just, it kind of reflects how the world is today. So many Christians today, um, people I grew up with, you know, leaving fundamentalism behind, you know, reason I left was because they would much rather pick up a sword and force people to live their ways than to live peacefully like Jesus did. So for me in this passage, it shows that those who choose to walk the in the footsteps of Christ, um, we're going to face opposition. I mean, we seriously are, you know, when you stand up for justice and, you know, living out the lie, you know, the living out what Jesus told us to do, it can be hard at times. And, you know, that's what I gathered from this passage is, you know, we're going to face adversity like Jesus did, and we are to pick up the cross and follow him. That's our calling as followers of Christ. So um, that's what I gathered from this passage. And, uh, and uh, I tell you what, Darcy, this has been excellent <laughs> actually doing this live together. This has been a joyful should, um, experience. We should, we should, maybe not every week, but so. we should do it again for sure. Because it, I mean, this no. is what church is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be two or three people and then their listeners <laughs> on Anchor. <laughs> We're assured by Jesus himself that when we are gathered two or more in his name, that he will be with us. And so I'll, I'll close exactly. this out by saying, I know that a lot of you are suffering right now. I'm definitely suffering. I hate being confined to my house. Taking strength mm -hmm. in the fact that there are people out there who love me and are thinking about me. And I look forward to this time together. And so if you're feeling alone and you're feeling isolated, know that I think about you as I prepare this. I don't. I can't speak for Joseph. I I know him pretty well, and I'm pretty sure that he does as well. I think about you. I, your unknown, you mm -hmm. your unknown faces out there. People who I, who listen, who don't, 
have not made themselves known that I think about you. And I do this, even though I would much rather be like taking a nap right now, I'm doing this because I think it's important that we share this time together. So you're not alone. There is hope in the midst of this sort of terribleness. And join us. We've got mm-hmm. a ton of services. So be sure to join us on Facebook. Exactly. Let us pray. Almighty God, you've promised to be present where two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, and that all we ask in his name will be answered. You have heard, and we trust you you shall answer. Give us grace to accept the answer you give and send us out into the world in peace to love and serve you to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forever. Holy Week is a special time that allows us to immerse ourselves in the final moments of Jesus' short life. I hope that you'll join us on Thursday for the Liturgy of the Last Supper at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Daylight Time on Google Hangouts. And then again on Friday for the Liturgy of Good Friday at 6 p.m. Central Daylight Time on Facebook Live. Then join us Saturday for the Great Vigil of Easter at 9 o'clock p.m. Central Daylight Time on Facebook Live. On Easter Sunday, we have a ton of services scheduled for you, so join us for Holy Communion at 9 o'clock in the morning, your time, on Anchor, and again at 11 a.m. or at 6 p.m. Central Daylight Time on Facebook Live. You can find links and all the details you need at www.allsoulsuniversalist.org forward slash Holy Week. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and give you peace.